And... Hey! There you are. Well, how about that? Yeah, I'm here all... Hey, there's Tom. Hey! Yay. <laughs> so Tom said he uh, watched the uh, thing about the invasion of Sark, but he doesn't remember any of it. I remember some. It oh. just seemed silly. It was. That's why we're bringing it up. It was too traumatic, I guess. Oh, yes. You talking to me? Yes. You're the countdown girl. Yeah, you we're talking, talking to, to you. Yeah, you're talking to you. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Crappy Halloween. Boom. Did you get any candy to give out? Who are you talking to? Anybody. I didn't. I'm going to turn off my lights and just hang upstairs and uh, play World of Warcraft. What a jerk. I know. I live in a gated community, though. There's not that many kids that go around anyway. Yeah, right. Well, he was at least here last Halloween. He should know. Yeah. Ready to do a countdown? Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry. I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan, I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from the Seneschal's office on the island of Sark, this is Stamp Show Here Today, episode 146. I'm Cash. I had seven cookies and two children, but I couldn't divide them evenly, so I ate all the cookies because I'm a good parent. I'm Scott. Apparently, he's not going to say anything. (laughs) This is Tom. I haven't slept for 10 days, but that's because I've been sick. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. It's true. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn, Cash. Mm Mm-hmm. You can skip it. Well. Dawn and I am going to fix. You're reading this, right? Hmm? Dawn and I am going to fix. Oh, uh, I'm your spa- stamp, Mistress Dom, Dawn, and I am That's going to. You are. And I am going to fix no, the last I, note it by says, changing I am all the your, words. I said it says, and I am your stamp, Mistress Dawn, and I are going to fix. Oh, look where you put the apostrophe. Yeah, that's for the, the comma. comma. Uh, wrong one. Let's Down, eat, not up. Grandpa. Yes. Why do you like eating, Grandpa? That's just wrong. It, no, 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 no. Guys, insert cats in that one. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's, it's, it's commas. It saves lives. It's the difference between let's eat, comma, grandpa, and let's eat grandpa. 
True story. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn, and I'm going to fix that last joke by changing all the words. No, 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 no. So today we will be exploring the bloody 2007 Democratic Revolution on the terrible island of Sark. Why is Sark a terrible island? You'll find because out. Cash said so. It's terrible. First of all, do you know that they don't even have cars there? Do they need them? I don't think they need them. I it's small. Everybody needs a car. That's what the oil companies would have you believe. Mm. Yes, the last feudal society in the world was overthrown in 2007 in a bloody election which claimed many lives. Um, well, actually, it was just voted on along with the law to allow electronic bicycles, but, well, electronic bicycles, they're, they're kind of they're kind of evil. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, besides you have to put in a big charging station if you have one. Yeah. Democracy and electric bicycles. Seems legit. Sark Island is in the Guernsey Island Group, just north of France. It's British, isn't it? It is. No, it's only, what, about three miles? It's three miles by one and a half miles, I think. You imagine how much space in that and, that much space in London would and, cost. And their evil, evil, evil feudal system didn't allow any cars. It's about the same size as Avalon, Catalina, I mean. Catalina has uh, cars allowed. Uh, they, yeah, not too many. Well, but I'm saying the island's about the same size. So in 1565, Queen Elizabeth I gave the um, island to the first signori. Yeah, okay, it is nowhere near the size of Catalina. Oh. Catalina is 75 square miles. Oh, geez, okay, never mind. Hence why they have cars. Yeah, yeah, Catalina is yeah. 22 miles long and eight miles across at its biggest, as at its widest. Okay, so that's very different, isn't it? It is indeed. Hence, why Catalina has cars. Oh. In 1565, Queen Elizabeth gave the first Senor the island, and since then, it has been a hereditary feudal holding of one man. Since 1565, the Senor was the only one allowed to own pigeons or to have an unneutered dog, and he gets anything that washes up on the beach. Well, that's big benefits. That is huge benefits. Yay, driftwood. Oh, oh, and by the way, on Sark right now, there's a part-time opening at a pet store and also opening for Chief Secretary for Education, Sports, and Culture. I think that one that, pays pretty good. I might apply. Well, I think that these openings exist now because it's not a feudal system. Because before he would have just put like a knight, he would have knighted somebody and had him as the part-time pet store person. Selling neutered dogs I, yes <laughs> um, whatever unless yeah. it was his I crown the neutered okay that sounds like fun yeah I put this on uh, in uh, an homage to our British listeners or our English listeners I don't know it doesn't break break it down between you but uh, England Britain is our number two audience now so yay uh, this number is, two what's our number one number one is United States number three what? number three is Canada what, you're surprised that our number one listening group is United States? We talk mostly about No, it's US just stamps. that it was for the longest time it was Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Netherlands was number two. Now Netherlands is number eight. Sorry, Marcel. You didn't bring Sorry, enough Marcel. friends. Yeah, Marcel, bring some more friends on. You can move up the ranking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Simon Whistler, for anybody who listens to YouTube, uh, he's great. He had a thing on uh, the invasion of Sark. And Sark Island is uh, one of the Guernsey Islands. It's the southernmost one right off the coast of France. It was occupied in World War II by 
the uh, Germans. And if you pull up the Guernsey stamps with the maps on them, you always see Sark Island down there. Uh, Guernsey and Adderley are the big two. Alderney. Uh, Alderney are the two up on top. They're the bigger ones. And then Sark is on the bottom. And it's a funny story because in 2007, a billionaire moved over and his brother moved over onto the island. And uh, they were escaping taxes because the tax system there is really, really, really low. So yeah, they, yeah, it's a feudal system. You only have to give your second daughter or something yeah, it, like that. Yeah, and like he gets to have sex with the women before they get married or something. That was a... Oh, I... I, I saw that on a movie once or something. And then Wrong Ro- culture. Then Robin Hood shot somebody and rescued the maid or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, doc- that wasn't real honey. Oh, oh well. Uh, that was Robin Hood men in tights. That's not <laughs> historically accurate. Okay. So anyway, they uh, voted uh, because they moved down there. They voted to undo this feudal system. And it was a feudal system. It was the last feudal government and it ended in 2007 that makes this a really interesting little island out there in the british empire and uh they had all sorts of problems with uh the euro uh zone and stuff like that because you're supposed to be a democracy in the eurozone and here they are a feudal system even though you know they obviously didn't have serfs or anything like that like like i said you know they had pet stores but in 2007 they became a democracy and they are the last feudal system in the world. And I thought that was really interesting. It ties in directly with the stamps of the Guernsey Islands. And anybody who wants a stamp of the very last feudal country in the world, or the last feudal holding in the world, you can pull up any of the stamps of the island of Sark. So that's it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a breaker here. And then we're going to talk about other stamp stuff. You can hang on for as long as you want to, or you can leave your choice. I got to get back there. I just got some work emails I got to take care of. Not Mm. a surprise. Why why don't you do the outro then? You have it recorded, don't you? Oh, yeah. I have a pre-recorded outro. Never mind. (laughs) Bye-bye, Don. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Talk to you tonight. Love you, bye bye. Love you, bye bye. Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. So we got some uh, a, some reference material donated to our reference collection from uh, Tony uh, Barney Stamps. People who want to look up Barney Stamps, thank you very much. And uh, Scott, I know you're looking at them right now. What what's over there? Uh, looks like we got a whole bunch of Kansas, Nebraska fakes, which are um, always interesting to me. I like to add those into the reference collection because, uh, well, you can never have enough fakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have some trimmed coils and things like that. Other um, miscellaneous manufactured uh, items to fill those pesky rare spots in your album. Oh, yeah. How do you tell the uh, fake coils? I mean, you you just like thumb through them. What were the obvious problems? Well, uh, uh, some of the obvious problems I saw were um, the coil straight edges don't aren't aren't parallel. No, that's a biggie. Um, <laughs> you can see remnants of perforations on the straight edge. 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, those are the, those are the real easy ones to catch, and and uh, I mean they're just prevalent. I mean things like five nineteen with uh, with the perforations added. Tell people about that one. That's a neat one. That what percentage of five nineteens do you think are fake? Uh, I would say probably about eighty plus percent of five nineteens are faked. I was expecting you to say higher. You think? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were just people blasted them out for some reason. Yeah, but also uh, some sometimes they're difficult to tell, but a lot of times they're pretty obvious if you have any idea of what you're looking at. And the best way to tell, if, you know, the best comparison is to get uh, like a Scott number four ninety nine or something and match up the perforations yeah um because 519 is supposed to be perf 11 and it just has a double line watermark and it so obviously normal perf 11s don't have the watermark so if you get a regular 499 you, you, you should at least be able to match up the perforations and if the perforations don't match up then uh that is a good clue that it's probably a fake well, we're we're using the numbers. Why don't you tell them about the stamp? Tell, tell them actually what the stamp is instead of just saying five nineteen. Well, five nineteen um, is is a an odd item. Uh, back in the early twentieth century, the post office department issued uh, imperforate sheets, and these were specifically for the private perforating companies to make coils out of and then apply their private perforations. Well, as that started to dwindle and the uh, government coils became available, the private perforation companies sort of went by the wayside. And at the end of that, there was some leftover imperforate stock still uh, sitting in the New York post office. So the postmaster, rather rather than... throwing them away or destroying them, sent them back to Washington to be perforated. Well, by then, the perforation gauge had been changed to 11 from the perf 10 that went from when they were printed. And the design changed. And the design changed. Yeah, so we're talking about the uh, two-cent red. The TWO cent versus the number two-cent uh, two stamp. So... Uh, now you have all these imperforate sheets and they sent them back to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing to have them perforated and then sent back to New York. And that's how we get the Perf 11 with the uh, older design and the double line watermark. Yeah, because this was sort of during the uh, World War One austerity. So if they had this, well, they didn't I, want I, to throw it away. They wanted to use it. I wouldn't it. say it's necessarily austerity, but it was just... Uh, People back then were more conscious of waste, yeah. And it was less of a, it, it was less of an issue. People just didn't like to waste things, yeah. and so they were just. It was just something that they would do. So yeah, this uh, and people pull out your Scotts catalogs and look up five nineteen. It's a very expensive stamp with a huge, huge number of them being fake. Well. And if you look at the value, the value is somewhat depressed because there are so many fakes. Oh, yeah. And uh, um, 
you know, as a professional, when I look through a collection, that as I flip through the early 20th century, that's one of the stamps that I will put my glass on and I'll look to make sure that it's genuine. And like I said, there's a lot of them out there that are not genuine. And most dealers who are just doing a quick add-up for a collection will just skip right over it and assume that it's fake, mm-hmm. just like they do with some flat plate coils. Lots of, yeah. yeah, I've seen collections where, you know, you have the number down at the bottom. They're adding up all the value of everything. And then you get to the flat plate coils and there's just no numbers there. They just ignore them. Yeah. Well, and, you know, 461 kind of falls into that category, too. That's a single-line watermark. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's just one of those things that, you know, they're frequently faked because they're fairly scarce, and somebody just wants to fill a space in their album with a cheap stamp. Well, that we were today at lunch, we were talking about 491, which, again, is a two-cent. This is a two-cent coil. Uh, one of the Washington head where it says two on the bottom instead of TWO. No, 491 is a rotary press stamp. It's type two rotary press. Oh, no, it says two on the bottom though, right? No. All of the rotary press coils have the numeral. Yeah, two, then the word sense, and yeah, then two. it's not the TWOs. No, 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 it's not a TWO. That's what I was saying. Uh, anyway, we were talking about those and how a lot of times it'll be single line watermark, but it'll be a hard to see single line watermark and people misidentify that stamp. Cause again, it's an $800 stamp versus a dollar 35 stamp, but that one's not faked. It's just misidentified. Very often misidentified. Um, the, the paper that 491 comes on is a thicker, um, more yellowish paper. Most of the time it's, um, I don't want to say it was a war printing, but it's kind of like that. It was lower quality, mm-hmm. and uh, the watermark a lot of times is very unclear or difficult to see. Yeah, which, by the way, and this is just an aside, Mike P. Uh, wrote us, and the stamp comes in a carmine color. Yes. He sent me a picture of a Ticonderoga pencil, which is carmine-colored pencil, and I thought... That is weird. That is the first time outside of stamp collecting I've ever seen the really word Carmen someplace. Carmen Red actually is what it's yeah says. yeah instead of Carmen Electra, which is funny because it also has the number four two five on it. Yeah, four two five T. Well, Scott, number four twenty five is actually a Carmen two cent Washington stamp. No. <laughs> so I just thought you know being a stamp guy and just having those numbers in my head, you know, a lot of times I'll see things and and. Uh, in order to remember things, I'll, I'll associate I'll associate numbers with Scott mm-hmm. Catalog stamps, mm-hmm. and and uh, that'll just be the way my brain associates it. So I saw <laughs> I saw that. And, Wait a minute, that makes sense. Well, that's cool. Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. I got a letter an actual letter in the mail from a person who wrote longhand on two pieces of paper. And he basically was talking about, uh, there was a New York times letter. What was it? A letter to the editor or something? No, it was a letter by an, I think it was just an article, an article. Oh. And uh, the person said that he pulled his old collection out of the basement 
and took it to a stamp dealer and it wasn't worth very much money. And he was saying, what's happening to the stamp collectors? Well, one observation was he said he collected uh, new issue stamps, plate blocks, and first day covers from the 1950s and 60s. Yeah, which means postage. And and if it's if it's still mint, it means postage. And the first day covers are um, not currently. I mean, they were just made in such high quantities yeah. that yep. that they're just no collector value because they're so common. Yeah, so he was talking about how, uh, why is there been a decline in stamp shows? And I've had this discussion with several people because I really don't think there is a decline in stamp shows. I think there's a decline in wanting to go travel someplace to see a stamp dealer when you can see one on eBay or online. I think that the stamp shows are still very important. I think that the sales side of it, it has got to change. Well, yeah, I, I think, uh, first of all, for the younger crowd, stamp shows need to be more exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need more displays. You need more um, You need more things going on on the show of a floor rather than just a bunch of booths with people selling stamps um, because that's basically like going to the mall and, you know, Balls are dropping off too, by the way. Yeah, and and <laughs> and not having a merry-go-round or whatever in the middle of the mall, you yeah. just have a bunch of stores. So, um, yeah, we need excitement at the shows, and uh, and driving long distances, especially. I mean, living out here in the West, it you know the distances can be between cities can be quite large, and so if there isn't a stamp show in your city then it can be a very big chore, especially somebody on a more limited budget or limited mobility or, uh, you know, relying on your parents or somebody else for a ride. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things can contribute to having difficulty getting to a show. Yeah, and, and the Internet, you just turn on your computer at home and you're there. Yeah. Well, this later in November is BlizzCon. BlizzCon full, sold out in, what, 15 minutes? I mean, it always does, but you know, they have vendors there and stuff like that, but it's more than just a show about going to buy stuff. It's a show about going and doing stuff. And I think that's where we are just killing ourselves with these shows is all we have is people selling stuff. And I think that's just a massive, massive mistake that these show promoters are making. Well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times the promoters are um, stamp club members. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're not professionals. They don't do this for a living. They just kind of uh, go with what they can think of and what they know. And so the the new ideas don't necessarily flow very fast. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I was talking with people about Sescal and we implemented some of the things and then other things we didn't implement. But there is just so much we can do with stamps that we are not. And we're relying on the dealers to carry the show instead of like the speakers. Why don't we have speakers? Why don't we have people autographing stuff? Why don't we have, we have rooms where the, uh, the collectors meet with their meetings and they're always off down a hallway on a different floor, way far away. Why are those away from the floor? That's what people find interesting. 
you know, you start talking about something on the floor and somebody's walking by and going, oh, wow, that's interesting. And then they sit there and listen. They're not wandering, you know, down the next hallway up on the upper floor and looking at stuff. It's you need to put this where the people are. Well, I, I know from personal experience, even even when you have a big show with exhibits, usually the exhibits are off over on one side of the floor or even worst case scenario in another room. And I know that, uh, you know, if, if I'm sitting there looking at if I'm sitting there looking at stamps, either uh, at my booth or at someone else's booth, um, you know, the tendency tendency for me is not to necessarily go and look at those exhibits. I have to make a special effort to do that. Mm -hmm. And it takes time away from uh, other things. Well, yet if those exhibits were um, intermixed down the aisles with the dealer booths and the traffic, I would absolutely, I mean, I know that when they're, when I have to walk past them to the door to, to go somewhere, I absolutely, I look and I see and I stop and I'll see something interesting and I'll stop and I'll read it. Mm-hmm. And I can get stuck for a half an hour or more reading exhibits, forgetting completely where I was going. But uh, if it's not thrown into the mix there, uh, it's not something that I tend to seek out. 20, 30 years ago, you had exhibits to draw people to the show. I think one of the big major problems that stamp exhibiting has is they have promoted things that are not interesting to the general public. And when you do that, you can have the exhibits right there. Half the exhibits people don't care about. Now they'll go and and that's another thing too, is they put the gold awards up on the last day. They should put them up on the first or second day. That way people say, oh, this is a gold medal exhibit. Let me take a look at it instead of like Sunday afternoon. And I understand why they do it. They want to have the awards banquet and they want to like surprise people with their awards and stuff like that. But it gives no benefit to the actual show attendee. That's a benefit to the person who exhibits. The person who exhibits should be exhibiting for exactly the same reason that like a lecturer will give a lecture or a showman will show something. It's it's a part of the showmanship of the show, which is exactly backwards, in my opinion. And I exhibit. I mean, I see this firsthand all the time, you know? So Well, well the, other, the other thing is, when, when I do look at an exhibit, um, it's generally got to have some appeal to me. Um, I am not... Uh, a Colombian collector. Mm-hmm. So an exhibit on the Colombian first issue stamps and how they were circulated and used is not going to garner my attention. Uh, an exhibit on the, uh, on the, um, name something you like Sark, the prod- on the Island the- of Sark. The, the the exhibit on the prostitute tax stamps of, no. <laughs> of was Buenos Aires yeah. or so. you know, no I don't collect Argentina but that's interesting you know it did catch my attention mm-hmm. uh, it's it's 
uh, I don't collect, you know, first day covers. But I saw an exhibit where it had uh, all sorts of first day covers uh, in related to a, a single stamp. And uh, I thought, you know, that's that's actually a doable collection for somebody. It's not pie in the sky expensive like a lot of exhibits are. And I thought that was neat. And so I sat and I, I looked through it and I thought, you know, and I looked at all the different caches mm-hmm. and wow, this is really, you know, uh, there's not really any story to it, but it really showcases what you can do with a single issue. Yeah. I, you know, every, every exhibit has something to offer and every exhibit is neat. The question is how big does it get? I mean, do you have, like I saw eight frames of meter stamps that, you know, nobody cares about. I mean, you know, somebody cares about it. I, I, I apologize, but it's not going to be something that's a major, no, it's, uh, it's not going to be a, 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 a widely accepted it's not going to be a widely popular uh mm. interest so yeah you, you go ahead and you have that exhibit and you put it in the back you go the specialist can go back there and find it up front you have prostitution stamps from brazil or now, something like that now there was one exhibit i thought was really kind of cool and that was um it was done on the perforate the uh the wild perforations that you find on the first issue revenues oh, of the yeah. U.S. Mm-hmm. And it talked about how uh, some of them were genuine, but some, most of them, a lot of them were faked. And then it went in to discuss how they determined that they were faked, and they discovered that it was one dealer in, in a very short amount of time, and he was using a short, uh, basically just a short stretch of perforations because they all had... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, recognizable spacing and uh, so they were able to figure out which ones were fake and which ones weren't and they figured his his section of perforating pins was about 45 pins long or something like that and that to me was real interesting because i like Mm -hmm. that sort of thing how things are made and or and or (laughs) tried to be faked oh yeah Yeah. and uh, i see him like every show he comes over and says hi yeah so uh, those kind of things should be in the front, you know, and the, the one that the, the same exhibit that you've seen, you know, running the circuit for the last eight years. Um, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger uh, because it has, you know, the same story over and over again because the guy's trying to move right. up and get a grand award or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those don't. Those can be rotated in and out. They don't have to be in the front all the time. And uh, so, but yeah, you have to generate excitement and you have to have um, presentations and you have to have things on the floor to to draw people's attention. And the presentations are easy to get. I mean, if you, you, it's not like you sit there and go, oh man, I have this two to three o'clock spot. Who am I going to fill it with? You know, and then you go out. That's not what you do. You say, I got a two or three o'clock spot who wants to talk. And then, you know, five people say, yes, I'll talk on this. And you pick out the thing that's the most interesting. It's not, yeah. it is not and, difficult to and, find these people. And, and you provide, you pri- provide the area on the floor, you mm-hmm. know, put rope off a little area and put, 
10 or 20 chairs there and a little table for the speaker and, uh, you know, maybe have that in one area and then another one somewhere else with a little screen in case the guy wants to have a PowerPoint presentation or something. And, uh, you know, encourage people to talk, encourage the exhibitors to talk about their exhibits, encourage the clubs to do their presentations on the show floor, have their meetings. Um, I mean, we, you don't need to have a club meeting where you talk about the minutes from the last meeting and the business and all that stuff. No, you want to have a presentation of a topic, get people interested in different things Mm -hmm. and, you know, show neat new discoveries. Well, when I went to Westpex, they had a uh, talk. And again, Westpex, it was down a hallway. It was in another room. And it was the siege of, and I'm, I'm terrible with these Austrian names. It, it actually, it's a Polish name. But it's Przemysl. Pre, pre, Przemysl. Oh, much better. Przemysl. 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 Anyway, it was a big, uh, it was a big fortress that the Austrians had in World War One. It's a 100-year anniversary of World War One, And there were about 140,000 Austrian soldiers, and they were besieged by the Russians. And during this siege, where, you know, the Russia, the Russians are trying to take it out and they can't because it's too strong and the Austrians are trying to relieve it and everything. They had mail going in and out via balloons and via airplanes and stuff like that. And the airplanes were getting shot down and they were getting chased. And it was a great, great, great story. I mean, this was fantastic. And the guy who did the postal history, he had all these letters and he had the cancels and he had the postmarks and he had the po- uh, just... Everything that you can imagine with pictures of this stuff, it was a fantastic story. And it was one level up, four doors down on the left, and probably like 10 people were in there, and we all loved it. But if you had put that on the floor, you would have had 50 people looking at this. I mean, it was just a fantastic presentation. Do that. I mean, you already got it. Just... Don't have it in some room. In Westpac's, you can put it inside that center ballroom area and just have people talking. Well, but even at Westpac's, they have the exhibits on one side of the ballroom and the dealers on the other side. And, you know, I, I think they ought to mix it up a little bit. Like uh, like Steve Patillo did at Orco Expo. Yeah, you have exhibits in the middle of the room and yeah. then you have the dealers around the outside. And if you need to go from one side of the room to the other, you kind of... Hey, walk between the exhibit rows. Take a look while you're getting over there. Well, and the, the other thing is, you know, a lot of advertising. You don't see a lot of advertising. Um, yeah. I mean, where you advertise, you know, there are varied marketing strategies, but there, you can do a lot of advertising for very little money and just a little bit of effort. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people just don't realize that. They don't have the, you know, they don't, have the ideas that uh, can generate a lot of this advertising uh, without putting out a lot of revenue. I don't think it takes that much money, though. Uh, At a certain point, you go, you know, how much money does Westpex actually pay for advertising? I would guess not much because once you 
let the person know that Westpex, everybody writes it on their s- schedule because Westpex is a fantastic show. Yeah, it's it's the premier West Coast show. Yeah, I mean, you, and, and the thing is, you know, people say, well, I don't know how to do this or whatever. Comic-Con does it. BlizzCon is all about it. BlizzCon, you actually how, have... How many Comic-Cons are there? Oh, zillions. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you pick a Comic-Con, but they're always the same. You always have... It, the social aspect of it is the main draw, and then you have the dealers on the periphery. Like, picture a stamp show where the middle is the social event, and all around it are dealers selling stamps. Instead of dealers selling stamps, and then on the periphery you have some room, and they don't even do it on the periphery. They stick it in another room way off, and I, I just think that's so foolish. They'd also cut down their co- uh, down their rental costs. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> no. then you just have one room. You don't have multiple rooms to have to pay for. I can't, I can't see how it's a bad deal. I mean, because you're right. You do have to pick up these other rooms. Oh, well. Uh, we're trying it, and uh, we'll tell you if it works. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else, or are we just going to peter out? I think Peter's already left the building. Oh, okay. Return to Sender. Return to Sender. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live!